Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. The Magic are just one game behind Miami for the eighth seed. A home meeting against Philly awaits on Monday, followed by a rivalry road matchup in Miami on Tuesday. You win both of those games, guess what? Orlando's back to being a playoff team. Nine games remain for the Magic this regular season, and Heat Hate Week has been engaged. Fuck you, Miami. Fuck you. Beat the Heat. Beat the Heat. Beat the Heat. Let's go. Magic put in overtime, all right. Uh, we're still recovering from that overtime win over Memphis. We'll get to that momentarily. We're recording this right after uh, UCF in heartbreak fashion. Uh, couldn't quite pull up the upset win over Duke. Uh, shout out to Johnny Dawkins' team, first off, for getting the first uh, NCAA tournament win in program history. Um, I've been following this team since I was a kid, since the Atlantic Sunday. So I was watching them on TV back in 04, 05 when I was in high school when they were making those Kirk Spira coached runs. And so, you know, it was great. They got that win over VCU Friday night. And then today happened where Taco Fall maybe had the best game of his life from an aggression point of view on both ends of the court. Uh, B.J. Taylor kind of got it going late, and Aubrey Dawkins had a had a wonderful game. But Spencer, I know you uh, you're very familiar with B.J. Taylor. You want to share why? Uh, as a former assistant basketball coach at Boone High School, I was go there, Braves. Yep, there during his tenure at the school, and uh, was able to not impart a single ounce of wisdom or correct anything or enhance anything. He was fully formed in high school, and obviously showed it throughout his illustrious career for UCF a heck of a run for him for all the seniors for the team and for the coach and heartbreak to come that short yeah and I'm I'm so proud of this team though they they really they they took it to Duke who is the the favorite to win the whole thing and basically Zion Williamson had to play the game of his life Duke had the best three-point shooting game they've had all season they're not known for a three-point shooting game and I'm just really proud for UCF. It sucks we lost, but it's a heck of a run. And, uh, yeah, proud of them. So on to uh, actual NBA basketball now. This news is happier. Uh, also, shout-out to Orlando City Soccer for getting that road win up in uh, New Jersey, up at Red Bull Arena. Win some games at home now. Also, quick congrats to the Lakeland Magic. They've got a first-round buy in the G League playoffs. So keep it up, Stan Heath. Also, later on, we have another edition of Magical Moments. We're going to talk about the very first Magic game I attended in person as a child. It sticks with the Heat Hate Week theme. Uh, the Magic took on the Miami Heat in Game 3 of the first round of the 1997 playoffs, and we're going to delve deep into that. Also, if you like Vern Lundquist's laugh and Doc Rivers' just insanity, uh, you'll enjoy it. Along with one of the reasons why, I th- why Penny Hardaway is my goat, basically. But moving on. 
Spencer's pretty cool. We uh, we got a nice retweet, and you got some nice banter going on with John Amici after your magical moments from last pod. So what was that like? Yeah, he was nice enough to not only retweet and like the Twitter post that we made, but also took the time to listen to the episode and comment about his recollection or lack of recollection of the actual event. Uh, and engage in a little back and forth, and uh, I think that's always cool when, you know, athletes and celebrities take the time to, to have that personal interaction. No, it's, it's pretty awesome, and I'm very glad you're a very eloquent speaker, so you could keep up with the man when it comes to that. He, he threw in some interesting words, though, I'll say that, but... But that's really cool. Maybe I could get Penny Hardaway to send a retweet and some messaging to me this week. We'll, we'll see. see what happens. But uh, let's talk about the Magic's two wins this week, uh, and then we'll do a little bit of scheduled deep diving when it comes to uh, some of the teams that they're chasing when it comes to that eight seed in the playoffs. But uh, anyway, the Magic on Wednesday, they took on the New Orleans Pelicans. The Magic cruised 119-96 win. Uh, the game really wasn't even that close. I think the Magic were up over 30 for yeah. a good portion of it. Uh, Alfred Payton, the Magic, uh, ruined, ended his five-game triple-double streak. I I mean, it's March, and so triple-doubles don't just happen with him in a Magic jersey. I think I saw something that like 90 or 95% of his triple-doubles, and he's got like 16 or 17 in his career, have come in March, basically. Mr. Empty Calorie. And so, and it's funny, you know, he had been on that five-game triple-double streak, and even with the Pelicans, they were only one and four during that stretch. So some things never change. Um, and he's had a few ga- good games here and there with the Pelicans when Anthony Davis was on the court, and they were actually caring about winning. But even when the Magic dealt him for basically nothing to Phoenix, he was terrible. I think they were like one in nineteen with him in the lineup uh, towards the end of that season last season. Yeah. So uh, Anthony Davis did not play in this game, and. That was pretty much it for New Orleans. There. He didn't really play in the in the last game against New Orleans either. That's true. There, but not there. Yeah, Davis had to fly back to tend to a family matter, some with his daughter. I hope that worked out fine. I don't think I heard any other worse news, so I'm assuming that that worked out for him. Uh, I mean, pretty straightforward. Once you know the first quarter starts, Alfred Payton starts the game out with an air ball on his floater. Magic 14-2 run to open the game. They're up 39-25 after one quarter. Second quarter, Terrence Ross has a six-point play where he hits a three, gets fouled, ends up missing the free throw, though, and then Kem Birch gets a rebound, immediately feeds it back to Terrence Ross. Boom, Magic are up 68-46 at halftime. I don't really have anything much to say on this. We can move on to the next one if you want. You got anything else to add to it? I've never seen a six-point play before, I don't think, so that was pretty impressive. But like you said, start to finish, the game was totally in hand, and... Really, I think that's all that needs to be said. Okay, moving on to the uh, game that probably shaved the year off my Oof. life. Uh, Friday night against the Memphis Grizzlies, the Magic won in overtime, 123-119. and I have a lot of notes for this one. We're going right. to talk about this one. Ugh. So Memphis, so the Magic had already lost in Memphis 12 days prior right. to this game. Uh, some of the players in that game who didn't play in this game because the Grizzlies looked like a mash unit with basically like half their roster out, but Mike Conley didn't play, Avery Bradley didn't play, even Joey Kim Noah didn't play, and so you figure, and of course no Jaron uh, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Right. either still, but uh, you figure the Magic, especially since they're desperate to make the playoffs and want to redeem themselves for that awful uh, loss in Memphis, wanted to to wake up and and come and show uh, show up. Well, they're on a good home stand right now, and as you said, the you know payback should have been on the mind from the start. It was not. Yeah, I mean the Magic had opened the game, or had entered the game, having won nine of the last ten at home. They had won five straight in a row. 
and the Magic had already clinched uh, like their first uh, winning uh, winning record at Amway Center for the season because home hasn't always been great to us during these uh, bad years. But um, you know they they actually have now a winning record at Amway Center prior to this game, and they would eventually get one in this you know keep it going <laughs> in this game. So, but the Magic uh, they trailed thirteen to one to start yeah. the game. Uh, before Steve Clifford finally took a timeout as Orlando just kind of slept, walked and, into it, and they missed their first eight shots. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas and Tyler Dorsey were problematic the whole game. and Valanciunas is a huge body, and he seems to always kind of give Vooch trouble, especially on the offensive end. I think part of it, too, he gets a lot away with a lot of cheap shit. Um, you can maybe kind of put some more basketball intuition and knowledge to it or analysis to it, but he's a physical player. He's a physical player and he got, a, he gets away with a lot of push-offs, basically. Let's just put it that way. But the magic though, they, they cut the deficit to just two on a, they go on a nine Oh run. You think, okay, they're probably going to now blow them they're out. They're awake now. And then Chandler Parsons mummified body back oh, from the dead God. just kind of showed up and, Look, you and I were there for that UCF uh, UF game back in like 2010 when Marcus Jordan and pre uh, you know, pre scandal going on with the program, uh, I won that game and Chandler Parsons had a chance to bail UF out and he airballed the three in Amway Center and that image and memory is going to be in my head forever. But you know Chandler Parsons, he uh, he enjoyed his return to Orlando. He's he's a local high school product here and he had the magic down 33-23 after one quarter. I think one of the things and I'm sure we'll touch on it further but you know watching the game it's just hard to fathom how Aaron Gordon who's one of our premier defenders especially out on the perimeter with his athleticism where you're watching Chandler Parsons hobble on one leg and it's just a direct straight line draw. It's almost like he turned his body sideways and gave him the lane repeatedly. Like AG let him blow by him. Like I can't He's even even if he bites on a fake, he's still fast enough to get back and at least stay even with him right. at that point. So and the defense was just unfathomable when the game. You know, you're watching the game and you go, okay, if we lose this one, we're not again, we're not mathematically out. But if you lose that game, it means so much. It'd be it would have been an unforgivable loss. Right. So I mean, the Magic's playing just terrible defense still into the second quarter. Uh, it's just and most of it's just on the perimeter because even when Kem Birch is getting beat defensively that's not on him and i know people like to shit on vooch all the time for his defense but that's on the wing that's on guys like ag that's on fournier just allowing dribble, dribble penetration yeah i mean you look it's the nba you're not going to be able to keep someone in front of you all the time on every possession but the biggest thing for any uh you know you're, you're trying to look at defense and grade how good the defense is the biggest thing yeah. is the straight line drive if you make if the guy beats you mm-hmm. he's got to take a wide route around you that gives everyone time to recover and if not you're going to put Ken Birch in foul trouble early, which he, yeah. I mean, he picked up four fouls in like eight minutes of play. It just it, it, it doesn't look pretty. Yeah, and that just takes a tiny bit of aggression off of his approach. Sure. Um, thankfully, Terrence Ross caught fire. Uh, he hit oh, like, man. He hit a ton of threes in that second quarter. I counted him at like four threes when he... Uh, he cut it to the deficit to forty to thirty-eight. Uh, there's a beautiful dunk off of probably one of the best plays of the season, where Michael Carter Williams is diving into the front row to save a ball, and just Terrence Ross. He's not your typical three-point shooter. He's a slam dunk champion, and he showed it. He just glides sometimes. I mean, he. I don't want to call it like a, a, a straight-up windmill, but he just went up and just kind of just twirled that thing in. It, it was amazing. Um, Vooch gets a spinning hook over uh, Valachunas to tie it at 44-44, and then you think, okay, maybe they'll push it into halftime, and then Fournier picks up a technical right. foul. 
And, and he, I think he was yeah. dangerously close to getting a second technical there, too. They had to kind of walk him back from the referees again. And it, look, can we talk about how J.B. Bickerstaff was getting away with some stuff, especially towards the end of the game? Like, he's walking out on the court. Right. I mean, we'll talk, we can delve into yeah. it a little bit deeper, but... I, I don't know if uh, – I think Fournier was tagged to begin with going into the game, and he he definitely said something, but I saw a lot of other people say stuff and not get tagged with a technical foul. Yeah. So the Magic were down 64-58 at halftime. The Grizzlies were shooting ridiculously from three. They were 9 of 18 from deep, but they were terrible at the free throw line, 5 of 12. So uh, Memphis led uh, 7-0 on second chance points, so that's effort right there right. at that point. Yeah. And, Valanciunas, I get it. He first off, he had a monster game coming into this he game. He had like thirty-three points and like twenty-something rebounds against Houston. Yeah, he went off on Houston. And so it's not completely out of the ordinary that he performed this well against the Magic. But still, it, you can't just depend on Vooch and Birch to to do everything. You need gang rebounding at that point. And, and we'll talk about that at the end and in overtime too. Yeah, I mean, it's just the dribble. I mean, I just keep in my notes. I have like dribble penetration down galore. Like Vooch and Burst just have to come out, and then they just either pat, pass the ball over them or around them to a cutting guy. Right. Third quarter starts. Grizzlies just kept taking our bigs out of the paint and going at Evan, DJ, and again, even AG kept getting caught. And so then Justin Holiday had his turn at killing the Magic, which he had a pretty decent game, I believe, against the Magic when we were in Memphis. He's officially, whatever team he's playing on this year, it doesn't matter. He's officially entered the uh, Gennaro Pargo Magic, Magic Killer, Killer yeah, Hall of Fame status. Uh, he's he's up there now. I mean, Aaron Gordon fouls him on a four-point play, which I had nightmares of, like, the Lori Markkinen winner, yeah. game winner against us uh, when the Bulls beat us the first game back from the All-Star break. You know, Memphis went up 11 at that point. Dorsey and Parsons keep hitting threes. And Memphis is up 90-73, to 73, and I'm losing my shit at this point. Yeah. Like, I think I'm, I'm, I'm tweeting in all caps for, like, the next <laughs> half hour at that point. But the Magic went down uh, into the fourth, 95-81 trailing, and it looked grim. It, it looked bad. And then Steve changed it up a bit. He went with an Augustine-Michael Carter-Williams backcourt, and... The defense showed uh, Augustine was able to take a charge. Michael Carter-Williams blocked the three-pointer. And you just kind of see that momentum slowly churning chipping, back. Chipping away. Uh, you know, Vooch again checked in early with like 9.24 to go. I mean, Clifford, I mean, the Magic, yeah. two days off to coming up again. You know, they don't play Philly until Monday. So. Yeah, it was nice to see Clifford kind of, for lack of a better term, pull out all the stops and push all his chips into the middle. Vooch coming back two, three minutes earlier than usual. Um, but you kind of had a feeling if the Magic could put together 10 to 12 minutes of really solid basketball, that that might be enough to win the game against the depleted Grizzly roster that, you know, came. Yeah, and defense wasn't the Magic's problem in the fourth right. at all. Actually, they had trouble scoring a little bit, especially uh, until Terrence Ross started hitting some threes. Ross gets fouled on a three, cuts the deficit to 95-87. Valanciunas finally gave Memphis their first points in that uh, fourth quarter, about three and a half minutes into the fourth. Michael Carter-Williams still in. He, uh, Ross hits back-to-back threes, and the, all of a sudden we're down two, halfway to go in the fourth quarter. And I'm about to have a heart attack at this point <laughs> because the Magic were dead. They're down, they were down 17, and then it's like, oh, we're right in this. Okay. Ross is up to 31 points at this time. Spencer, if I tell you Terrence Ross does not score another point in this game, do you think the Magic win this game? Absolutely not. But look, too, we talk about Terrence Ross. They would have been shit out of luck without him having pretty much the game of the season for him. 
But what I think goes unnoticed, too, is Vucevic hit some super clutch, not super easy hook shots. I mean, contested shots over Valanchunas that take the, you know, the deficit from 4-2, to two, from 4-2, to two, from 4-2 to two to really keep us in there. Yeah, and the, Val- the way Valanchunas defends, he gets his body underneath you, but he yeah. does it in such a sneaky way that it just never gets called and against And they never him. call the push no. down low, yeah. And I, I think at this point, Memphis focuses their defense on Ross. That's why I think he only gets like one shot attempt the rest of the game. But I, I'm just surprised that, and we'll get to crunch time here briefly, he, he just didn't get more more touches or just more shots yeah. late. Um, you know it's a weird game when Bruno Caboclo is hitting multiple <laughs> three-pointers. Uh, just weird night. Just weird, weird night. Uh, Fournier was looking like a liability defensively. Uh, he, I, I thought Clifford needed to get Michael Carter Williams back in the game. And, and you said so. I I, I said fuck, <laughs> and, which I never say fuck on Twitter. But I'm just like, get Fournier the fuck out of this game. Not like anyone on the bench is looking at this point. But it's just Fournier wasn't defending well the whole game. His shot selection was very poor. Right. And clearly Michael Carter Williams playing in the backcourt with DJ Augustine, it was working. Obviously you don't want MCW taking a jumper, but clearly when you weigh just the the plus minus of it on both ends of the court, his defense was more valuable than what Fournier was doing on both ends of the court at that point. Um, and Augustine three, and then a fast break layup from DJ. Yeah, Go DJ, baby. that's my DJ. Tied it at 104-104 with four minutes to go. Fournier's still in. It's like, it's like why is Fournier still in? It's on my notes. It's like, Fournier's still in, Fournier's still in. <laughs> Justin Holiday puts Memphis up four with uh, with a three. Big three. And, big three. Uh, and then this is where Vooch kind of comes back in, cuts it to 110-108 with a minute to go. Fournier misses a wide-open three that would have given us the lead. Memphis has the ball. They call timeout. There's 30 seconds, seven seconds left. Clifford's making defensive substitutions. He puts uh, Isaac in, uh, and MCW checks in for Augustine and Ross, and Fournier's still out there. Right. Only after Fournier commi- commits the foul fifth, to give yeah, fifth foul. does Wissawandu come in. So <laughs> I'm very grateful that Fournier officially got in foul trouble after that. But uh, Isaac plays amazing defense on Parsons on that possession. Yeah. Uh, Magic have the ball. They're down two, about 21 seconds left. And Fournier's still in. Uh, well, Fournier gets checked back right. in. That's where the offense yeah. defense kind of comes in. But yeah, Evan though ties it on a drive. Uh, he he does a drive finish over Valanciunas, and uh, I there might have been a little bit of a push off with his right hand, but at that point, Valanciunas is getting away with so much in the game. I don't care. Uh, defensive lineup goes back in for Clifford, yeah. so it's the same guys. Augustine, Ross, and uh, and Fournier check out. Isaac, uh, MCW, and Awandu check in. And look, I don't want to say, like, you know, we're revisionist history because obviously the play unfolded, but you kind of had a... First of all, you knew that Tyler Dorsey was going to get the final shot for Memphis, right? The gay's having the game of his career, pretty much. Greek national teamer, Tyler right. Dorsey as well, having the game of his life. And Hawks I, fans, I'm seeing randomly, like, <laughs> tweeting, like, wait, why did we trade this guy for right? Shelvin Mack? What happened? But I think that we were very fortunate that he had not been in that situation, let's say, ever in his professional career. No. Um, and he went so early as to give us a ch- even if he made the shot, and Wes Owundu played about as good a defense as you can play in that situation, that at least we had time at the end of regulation to answer. And 
Yeah, I mean, Michael Carter-Williams gets one of a few immense rebounds he had on oh, the night massive. there. Just massive. He's just fighting in there. I mean, See, and you talk about the importance of gang rebounding, and that's something that we were doing maybe more so in December and January and then into February. Kinda. And then it's kind of slipped off this month, right. I guess. And I, the, the, I, I haven't yeah. noticed it, but now that you pointed out, I feel like you're right. I mean, well, of course you're right. You're my basketball genius. but wow. The importance of five people rebounding. Um, and no one leaking out until you have possession. It's just uh, you, there's no, you know mm-hmm. there's no substitute for no, it. You either no, grab the it. ball or you don't. And Michael Carter Williams showing off that length to get back in there and come up with some huge huge boards. Magic have the ball. One point six seconds left. Tie game. I really thought they were going to find a way to get Ross open, even if it had to be like a thirty footer. Like yeah. I felt comfortable with him. It, yeah. And then. Fournier gets a pretty good open look from three, probably like a twenty-nine footer, maybe something like that. He got it. First of all, you can't get a better look in terms of being wide open in that situation. Yeah, you got a clean shot at the rim. But he's made those. He's made those. I think Clifford was pissed off about it, and I think it was noted on the broadcast too that he really didn't curl off the Vucevic screen and kind of plant himself closer to the three-point line. Yeah, so he took a he took a longer shot than he mm. probably needed to, um, but. He's you know he's made clutch baskets and he got a good look. He just didn't draw iron. And overtime they went. Uh, Valanciunas and Fournier went into it each with five fouls, which is important because I think clearly Jonas wasn't going as uh, sneak attack bullshit defense. Well, as he thank was doing. God they finally called a couple of illegal screens against him to get him up to those five fouls. Yeah, that's the other thing is thankfully he can't set a clean screen worth a damn, and he actually did pay for it. Uh, Vooch had a bad three-point shooting night. He missed qu- uh, quite a few wide-open ones, uh, but Fournier opened the overtime with a crafty and one. Uh, the Magic had their first lead of the game, one thirteen, one twelve, and then literally a seesaw battle happens. Right. It's going back and forth like Vooch is hitting buckets. Memphis is is just getting them, and so. Fournier eventually does put us up 119-118 with 109 to go. I'm glad Evan shut me up as far as that went. Um, he was looking bad for the majority of the game, and thankfully, you know, late in the fourth and overtime, came he, he came through. Um, you know, Memphis took that timeout, and then Vooch has a big stop on a Valanciunas turnaround look. And then Vooch, again, big driving layup past the big Lithuanian, puts O-Town up 121-118, 35 seconds left. Memphis burns their last timeout at this point. We're golden. You would think that. And then uh, Tyler Dorsey earns three free throws as Isaac gets called for a foul. Did he jump into Isaac? What should that have been a foul? I I actually wasn't complaining about the foul call. No, I, real, I've seen real more. time I was pissed, and the more that you looked into the replay, replay. you saw that that's going to get called every time, especially against the Jonathan Isaac type. His his arms were up, but Isaac's but body's they, not yeah, straight up. He was not up and down. The verticality didn't come into play there. So yeah, he earned the free throws. And then, but what did come into play? The Amway Center home crowd for once. For once, it's it's been a while. I think it's been five years since Redick <laughs> hit that shot in the playoffs yeah. in 20, uh, 2012 against the Pacers. Kind of spurred but, on by Vooch. By Vooch, and I mean, yeah, Dorsey misses two of the three. Like hits the first, and he clanks. Uh, the last two and another huge gang rebound from Michael Carter yeah. Williams. This one bigger than the, the regular season, the, the uh, regular, yeah. Yeah, the regulation yeah. time one. And so uh, at this point, JB Bickerstaff somehow didn't get tagged with a technical foul. He's on the court berating the refs and a he, visible bullshit. Yeah. And I, I just can't believe he didn't get teed up, but, 
The Grizzlies were out of timeouts. Magic still had one. They uh, reset to try and close it out, up 121-119. Fournier gets fouled immediately, makes his uh, free throws. Holiday misses two threes. Aaron Gordon gets the board. Ball game. That's it. So the 17-point comeback is a Magic season high for biggest comeback win. The Magic have won six games in a row at home now, which I think is the first time since 2011-2010, something like that, which that goes into the Stan Van Gundy-Dwight era at that point, too. Um, Fournier in the post game was talking about how Memphis's zone defense caused big problems, even though they typically handle zone defense well. I actually didn't really notice it. I mean, they went into zone in spurts, not entirely for the whole game, but I mean, we've we've handled zone defense pretty well overall this season because I mean, when you have like Vooch who's able to spread the floor, then you know eventually somebody else is going to get open, either Fournier or Augustine. Obviously, Ross is like our main targeted guy, but. Um, I, I don't know. I think it just comes down to like Valanciunas is just bullshit pushing around really got us frustrated. And look, Memphis had some guys that typically don't really play. They played hungry. Give them full respect. They they really showed out. And again, going back to the crowd, you know, Vooch was getting them pumped up. Clifford, a few times this season, he's talked about how that crowd will, will would play a role. You know, especially down the stretch. And it's obviously if we make it to the playoffs. But credit to them. Uh. You know, we we talk about Aaron Gordon's quiet game. Uh, he like he had five points, two of eight shooting, not his best night. Isaac, I thought was quiet, but I mean, he came away with eleven points, six boards, four assists. The big guys, Fournier. I was berating him the whole game. He has twenty-seven points on nine of seventeen right. shooting. He kind of yeah. He he turned it around. Fournier somehow had eight rebounds. Yeah. I don't know where the hell that came from, but six assists. It ends up being a huge game for him. Ross, I already said he had the 31 uh, points, seven rebounds, pretty big number for him. And then Vooch, 25 points. He got it going late when he needed to against Valanchunas. Augustine, consistent all year, 20 points, six boards, and eight assists. Tyler Dorsey played out of his freaking mind. He, uh, man, that that kid, I, I'm proud of him as far as the Greek and national team goes because that came out of nowhere. But Tyler Dorsey had 29 points, nine assists. It's like his Gerald Sasser game at this point. <laughs> um, Justin Holiday, 22 points. Valanciunas, 23 and 24. Uh, you know, and then that was pretty much it. They got 17 from Chandler Parsons, but huge Magic win. I want to focus now on uh, what's going on in the Eastern Conference standings above us right now. So. The Brooklyn Nets have had an interesting road trip. Uh, they've dodged some heavy damage so far. They they come back from 25 points down, a 25-point fourth-quarter comeback in Sacramento. D'Angelo Russell it was ridiculous. And then on top of that, Friday night, same night the Magic you know came out on, on top of that overtime win, uh, the Lakers are actually trying hard. Like, JaVale McGee has, like, a career night. He had, yeah. like... LeBron's playing. And LeBron played hard. He tried his ass off. And the Nets still won against the Lakers, officially eliminating the Lakers from the playoffs as well. And so the Magic are, as of this recording, two and a half games back of Brooklyn. But they're also two and a half games back as of this recording behind the Detroit Pistons. So sixth and seventh are now back in play. Uh, The Pistons, they lost in Portland on Saturday night. Thanks, Mo Harkless. And uh, they play uh, the Golden State Warriors. You, which by the time you hear this, that game will have gone through. So the Magic may only be two games behind Detroit. And Golden State just got their doors blown off by, by Dallas, a tanking Dallas Maverick teams. So. Luka Doncic and Dirk Nowitzki's first 20-plus point game of the season. You would imagine that the champs would bounce back with a win. And so obviously the team that's closest to us, Miami, 
Yanni, Mr. Dedekumbo, and the Bucks blew the doors off them Friday night, did us a huge favor. And then Jeff Green, I, he would have been in my good graces forever. <laughs> the man put up 25 points Saturday night. He did all he could. He literally did all he could, and yet Bradley Beal, who is trying to just give the middle finger to the Wizards for an office for not trading him, he, he only puts up 16 points, which is a bad game for him. The guy's right. been used to putting up like 30-point games, and he just couldn't put it together. And it was the it was the heat on a second night of a back to back and and like Justice Winslow wasn't playing and Dwayne Wade's turning the clock back here he's putting up twenty point games now all of a sudden and so the Magic are one game back of Miami for the eighth seed we're in it we're right there we're gonna talk about schedules here schedules aren't the most exciting thing but we're at nine games remaining now in the yeah. regular season for the Magic they've had all these rest days now and so. You know, they had those extra games in hand, uh, you know, against, uh, you know, over teams like Charlotte, Miami. But those teams have now pretty much caught up now on games played. I know with Miami, they're even. And so, um, you know, Brooklyn, they have to play Portland next. And so I think that might be another loss for them, especially as the West playoffs. It's just getting crazy. Yeah, I mean, Portland's I saw, rolling right I saw like Oklahoma City went from like eighth to fifth in like a day and a half. So. Uh, hopefully Mo Harkless comes through for us again. But uh, checking out Brooklyn and Miami schedules. Well, for the Magic, this week is going to be interesting because they play Monday night against Philly. It's our last home game of this home stretch now. Uh, Look, I think I'm. You know, I think Philadelphia is not a game that we need to win. But man, would it be sweet to grab that one before we go down to Miami? Yeah, it's it's the NBA TV game. I mean, the situation's like this. I said it in the intro. If you beat Philly on Monday and then you beat Miami on Tuesday, Miami's not playing another game right now till they play the Magic. Yeah. Then the Magic are in eighth, and they have the tiebreaker over Miami, which officially. is the key thing officially. Yeah. There's no other wiggle room with that because they don't have the tiebreaker against Brooklyn, I don't believe. I don't know what the situation with is with Detroit because guess what? We're in Detroit Thursday night. Right. So, And then rounding out the week, we have another road game. In Indiana against the Pacers, a Pacers and team. They're, they're, they had struggles, and now they're kind of rounding back into shape too. So that'll be a tough one. Yeah, right now the Pacers are holding on to dear life to four, the fourth seed. Boston's pretty close behind them, but the Celtics thankfully keep bungling their chances. Yeah. They're not going to catch Philly again. Philly's got the third seed right now. And so, I mean, look, we're at, we host Philly. We're at Miami. We're at Detroit. We're at Indiana. I'm not going to talk about at Toronto April 1st, no. but for these four games that I just talked about, what's a, what do you think we need? What's a reasonable expectation? Because that's not the same thing at right. this point. What do we, what do we need? Yeah. We, number one, we need to win the Tuesday night like, game in yeah, Miami. I think we could go one and three, and as long as we win the Miami game, then we might actually be okay. Right. I think that we, we a good week would be three and one in an ideal world. I think that getting two out of four, including the Miami game, and we're right where we need to be. Yeah, I, I really think we can go two and two. Like yeah. I look, I don't care about the Philly game. I mean I care about the yeah. Philly game, but we really, really need that Miami game. Like I would almost rest guys on Monday. Heck, maybe Philly won't take us seriously when they rested and beat and we lost to, you know, JJ Reddick killing us right. again up in Philly. So maybe we can do a little reversal there. But I'm going to look at the schedules here real quick. And look, Brooklyn, they're at Portland, I said, Monday. And then they have a lot of rest before they play in Philly. And then they round out the week with some home games, finally, where they host the Boston Celtics. And then they have Milwaukee and Toronto at home right after that. So 
The top of the East is interesting because there's basically, between the top three seeds in the East, there's kind of a three or four game gap between all of them. So we're at the point now where Milwaukee, I think, has clinched the first seed. Yanni hopefully wins MVP because that's my guy. But he's, I mean, I don't think Milwaukee's giving up the number one seed. And the way Toronto is resting people in the second seed, Kyle Lowry, I don't know what's going on with him. They keep resting Kawhi Leonard as well. I don't know what's going on there. And then so... You know, and look, Milwaukee's nursing a lot of nagging injuries to a lot of you know key reserves too. Yeah. So there, that's going to be a crapshoot in terms of who's going to be in the lineup on any given night for them the rest of the year. I mean, it's so I, you hope Brooklyn loses in Portland, and you hope they lose in Philly because those two teams are still kind of giving a damn right now. Definitely Portland at least, and so we'll we'll see about that after after we'll get a clearer picture. But I mean, we're we're getting down to it here at the end. That's why we're pulling up the schedules again. Schedules aren't the most exciting thing. We look at Detroit again. By the time you listen to this, you'll know what happened with Detroit and Golden State. Hopefully, the Warriors will have won that game, and then they finish their five game road trip in Denver. At Denver. Uh, at Denver, yeah. Uh, mile high. Mile high altitude. Denver is fighting with Golden State for the number one seed in the West. They're right there with, together. So hopefully Detroit eats two losses. And then if that happens, because they play at Denver on Tuesday, so if the Magic beat Philly and if they beat Miami, guess what? We're not only are we in front of Miami, we're going to be tied with Detroit in the Look standings. In the, and the or I think a half game back or whatever, right. something like that. The important but. thing to remember, too, about that Magic game in Detroit is that's the first game back after, what, a five-game game road, road trip. trip. Yeah. We know how those go, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the fatigue of the travel tends to catch up to you in that first home game back. So if the Magic can take advantage there, woo. Yeah, in good shape, and they've they've suffered some nicks. I mean, Reggie Jackson's finally fallen back down to earth a little bit, and so that team typically goes the way Reggie Jackson goes. So that could be a game where Michael Carter Williams could be MVP. <laughs> the way how that goes. So uh, and then lastly, we're gonna look at Miami's schedule again. They've they're done with their four game road trip. They've you know that finished Saturday, so they're resting until they host the Magic Tuesday. They host Dallas on Thursday. Dallas has been very interesting where they've been tanking and then all of a sudden they kind of come out and Luka Doncic is throwing triple doubles around and hey, they were, they're winning games. So I, I don't know. But then Saturday they're at the Knicks. I'm not expecting any New York miracles for that one. No. Um, although this is the great thing about the lottery having been restructured is that one through three, they all have the same odds. And even if you're like the fourth worst team, you're, you're right there from right. an odds perspective. So, and then... Going a little bit further, they actually have a home and away with uh, Boston, April first and April third. Who like knows what's going on with the standings there, though? I like you know the home and home thing is almost always a wash. Split, yeah, right. You you would think that so, uh, but that's the schedule. Look, the Magic just need to focus on. Look, you'd like to win Philly Monday, but they absolutely have to win in Miami on Tuesday, and just. Put in the effort, and I really think they can do it. I know Goran Dragic is rounding into form. They got it going on with Bam Adebayo and Hassan Whiteside, you know, handling the paint pretty well for them. I know Dwayne Wade's turned back the clock, but this Magic team can can do it. I know they can do it. And they're at, you know, when you win a game like they did, that overtime thriller against Memphis, you start believing in them. Before we get into magical moments, I do want to talk about, uh, since we're playing the Sixers on Monday, Philly head coach Brett Brown was on the low post. over the past week, and he had some very uh, supportive words for Mark Markel Fultz, and 
it's been interesting if you follow Philly sports media or just Philly fans in general. They're still like crucifying Fultz, especially when the Magic are, you know, getting hyped about Fultz rejoining the team from yeah. his rehab in L.A. And Brown, I will say Brett Brown also predicted in the pod, it was uh, the Thursday before we signed him, but uh, he predicted that Michael Carter-Williams was going to make it back in the NBA one day, and literally it was the next day <laughs> he signed. So I think he might have known something there, but... I think, look, I like Brett Brown. I have no, like, he's a really cool guy. He's been a great coach for them. No matter what happens with the Sixers this season, I know they have really high expectations, obviously, with the team that they have right now. But that guy's a good coach, and I think it's cool that he easily could have just ignored the question or not talked about faults at all. But he really believes in the guy. And at this point, look, I said it, now that we have Michael Carter-Williams and that's the other thing is I'm assuming he's going to get a second 10 day, but we probably should sign him to the re- to another just a two year contract at this point. But um, now that we have MCW, there's literally no pressure on Fultz to come back. We're not expecting him to come no. back. We won't see. I I'd like to see him maybe play some summer league. I don't know, but um, I just wanted to point that out before we get into magical moments. What if I told you Disney didn't own every tale? the best basketball stories actually reside in Orlando. Magical Moments The life and times of two Central Florida men. A Penny and Pops production. Armstrong stays on the floor. Here's Penny Hardaway. Goes baseline, Mashburn, nice spin move, up and under, got it. Oh my. <laughs> that is a great move. This- Hardaway forces the issue, left side, Armstrong. Back to Hardaway. Tim Hardaway falls down, Mashburn, got it! Oh, wow. oh what a play! <laughs> wow! Another steal. Hardaway at P.J. Brown, got it! Oh, boy. What a oh. show! This is real good. This is nice to watch. The Magic go on a 23-3 run with Ronnie Cycli out, Penny Hardaway, 6 of 9. He took this team and put it on his shoulders and said, let's ride. And we are tied at the half at 42-all. Steal, Nick Anderson. Back to Armstrong. Alley-oop, Hardaway. Got another one. And Tim Hardaway, here's another steal. Daryl Armstrong. Oh! 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 Armstrong wants to hurry it. Alley you got it. Oh wow! And again, I keep bringing back point guard. Daryl Armstrong is a point guard who knows how to run a team. Logan. Wow. Riley might be playing fake right now. Yep. But you can cheer for effort. They have played a great game defensively. The Miami Heat had 29 points in the first quarter, and they only have 73 now. And that's going to go in. Oh, wow. And the Orlando Magic live to play another day. Oh, wow. Story time, and it's my story this time, but... If you didn't realize, that is audio from uh, Game 3 of the 1997 first round playoffs, uh, Magic against the Heat. Obviously, that is the arena you hear going nuts at certain points in that clip. 
And uh, I'm not going to lie, there's a 15% chance I might cry during this story <laughs> tell. Um, and I, I keep getting goosebumps. Even as I was like editing down that, that audio, I was just getting goosebumps the whole time. So, uh, Spencer, you are holding a ticket in your hand. Uh, just give me some info off of that ticket. Well, first of all, again, 1997, this is the first home playoff game, game three of the series. And it looks like the get-in price for you was only $65 to sit in a prime lower bowl seat down there in section 106. So 106 is behind the, uh, the basket yeah. uh, on one of the ends, one of the goal ends. Um, I went with, uh, my mother and my father. I think it's, if not the only time, one of the very few times I went to the magic game with all three. Um, I have, uh, well, first off, what's the date on the ticket as well? Oh boy. April 29th or Tuesday. On a Tuesday. It was a school night. 1997, the old 7 PM tip too. Yeah. Uh, I, I gotta say, uh, this is, so I'm eight years old. I don't turn uh, nine for another month. And I had not been to a Magic game at this point. I I can recall a lot of games from the 94-95 season, having watched those on TV, and of course after that. Uh, But this is my first Magic game, and I have something to admit. I used to be afraid of the dark uh, when I was a little kid. And like I would have like a nightlight and stuff, and it's really stupid saying it now, but it's magical moments, I'm going to say it. But I was actually fearful of going to Magic games because of the intros. They turned all the lights off. They turned all the lights off, and then you just get this huge, massive explosion right. once they start putting the spotlight on the disco balls, which yeah. I miss those fucking things. This is things. back when they actually had legitimate fireworks during the introduction. It was legit yeah. fireworks. Yeah. It's not like the flamethrower right. type machines yeah. or not. So I think that's why my mom came. Although she <laughs> likes basketball. She always asked me about the magic and whatnot. But uh, this was also the season where the magic Roll in as the seventh seed. Miami's the second seed. Pat Riley's coaching the Heat. Uh, Brian Hill got fired midway through the season. Uh, the Magic were twenty-four and twenty-five, and under Mr. Richie Adubato, they Richie. finished this season twenty-one and twelve, <laughs> rolling into the playoffs uh, with a forty-five thirty-seven record. And look, I I couldn't tell you off off the top of my head what expectations were going into the series. It, but it's the first and only time that the Magic have gone up against the Heat, in their the in-state rivals, yeah. back when rivalries like meant something. And I think now down the stretch of this Magic season, I think we're starting to see it come back again a little bit. But, I mean, look, the Magic roll into that Game 3, just getting slaughtered the first two games of that series. Oh, yeah. Uh, just absolutely slaughtered. The Magic were already like a, a, a walking mash unit. Obviously, this is the season after Shaq left. So, uh, you know, they're depending on Ronnie Cycli to be the cent- their center and the backup center is Danny Shays. Um, actually, let's let's do this now. Um, you, you tell me, OK, I, I, you're seeing it now. So yeah. you tell me what these the starting lineups are for both the Heat and the Magic. So the Heat. Yeah. Very not that hard to think about, even if I asked you without looking. Right. But who's the starting lineup so, for the Heat? All right. Obviously, at the point guard spot, Tim Hardaway, yep. senior. Yep. Right. And I actually knew uh, that the starting shooting guard was Vashawn Leonard, who absolutely murdered us when he was a member of the Miami Heat. Not so much later in his career. We went to Denver and stuff. Right. I couldn't quite remember who started at small forward. I had thought 
Thunder Dan Marley. It would have been a really good guess. Yeah. However, it was actually Jamal Mashburn. So, again, another big name. Another yeah. former Charlotte Hornet because the other Hornet, actually the other two Hornets, sure. yeah. are Alonzo Mourning and P.J. Brown. And P.J. Brown always killed us, too. Oh, man. P.J. Brown kind of was like the poor man's Horace Grant at the time. Yeah. And he would become better. I mean, I think at one point... He got, like, all-star votes and, like, all-NBA votes at one point later on in his career. So, I mean, P.J. Brown, solid professional. Um, they, uh, you know, and then just give me what the magic, not just the starting five is, but who played in this game three in total. Right. So the starting five, I think most of us will probably remember. You got, obviously, Penny Hardaway. Nick Anderson still there. Dennis Scott st- or still there. Um, Wasn't starting, though. But did did come off the bench. And then Brian Shaw actually got the start in the game. But he had a bad series, uh, I, I would say. Because yeah. the, the Magic were kind of a mashing at this point. Because they Dennis Scott's playing hurt and bad at right. the same time. No Nick, Horace Grant. No Horace Grant at all. He's out hurt. And, I mean, Horace was our guy. He, I mean, he's a big reason why the Magic would go, you know, would, would still be a, a playoff team basically so in horace's place i think was actually Derek strong who's now a professional stock car racer i think Ooh, still that would have been a nice pull wow if he still is hey good on him but i think this was the season he also got his contract money yeah. from this after the series hey, he earned it he did in this series overall not in this game necessarily but in the series overall he he really put it together uh, you are missing uh, our man in the middle, Ronnie Cycli, which All I already mentioned. Twos. Yeah. Uh, give me, give me the other. Uh, well, you mentioned Daryl and Dennis Scott, but give me the other two bench guys. So, uh, Gerald Wilkins. Uh, this is before Dominique came. And Gerald, much more su- successful Magic player than Dominique was. Yeah. And then again, Mr. Danny Shays, our uh, our player union representative. And <laughs> uh, yeah, he literally was our player union representative, and he was. I, if not 38 years old, about to turn 38 years old. Right. And and the one thing that I think we can both say about Danny Shays is that he was no Dolph Shays. No, was not. Uh, I mean, the Shays name is has a <laughs> illustrious uh, lineage. But I tell you what, in this series, I I lived off his 18 footers and 20 footers. <laughs> we we needed him. We needed him. God. So. The Magic are going into this game three almost dead and defeated to begin with. I mean, the game starts horrendously. You know, the Magic trail 29-13 after one quarter. Uh, the Magic are down like 33-13. to I mean, you heard in the clip the Magic would run off a 23-3 to run to end the first half. But just before that really kicked in, Ronnie Cycli wrecks his foot. Yeah. So you can imagine me, eight years old, uh, going to my first Magic game, I was a Ronnie Cycli guy. I, you know, I I I, I like the guy. He he's a hairy guy. My dad was hairy. Um, I'm kind of hairy now. So, um, but look, he had terrible hands. But when the ball was in in his hand, he was great. Yeah. You know, prior to Vucevic, I could argue Ronnie Cycli is the third greatest center in Magic history for sure. Um, you know, depending on how you view some of Marcin Gortat's performances, but on a whole. Just statistics and just value. Ronnie Cycli would have been the third greatest center in I Magic agree. history. Vooch surpassed him, I'd say. Yeah. Um, not, I'd say, definitely everyone would say. But the Magic went down 29 to 13 early on in that quarter. And I, I can just distinctly remember I was calm, but like my dad wasn't too thrilled. And everyone in the stadium is, I mean, there's booze and there's some rustling going on. Like you don't hear it in the audio clip I present, but. If you ever, if you haven't seen it, and if you have, 
you always want to check it out every once in a while. Just go to YouTube, type in Game 3, 1997 Playoffs, Magic Heat, and then also check out Game 4 after that. But for Game 3 specifically, you know, my... Again, my first Magic game, I thought the Magic were... I'm at the point where Ronnie Cycli goes down. His leg is wrecked. I'm seeing him get stretchered off at this <laughs> on point. On a stretcher. On right, an yeah, actual yeah. stretcher. Yeah. And this is my first image as a in-person Magic fan, basically. And at that point, I'm probably freaking out. And then Benny Hardaway takes over, as you hear through right. some of the clips. You know, he... he, he the Magic go on a 23-3 run. He personally puts up 13 points on 6 of 9 shooting during that stretch. The Magic are tied 42-42. Low scoring games back then. <laughs> 90s basketball. Pre-rule changes, yeah. basically. And it would get worse after the lockout season, too. The original yeah. lockout season. But we haven't quite gotten to that yet. But 42-42. I'm freaking I'm excited at this point. And just the magic takeover, I mean, Danny Shays, he wasn't huge in this game, but, I mean, he's just a big body to throw around. I'm looking at the stat sheet, and look, Alonzo Mourning got his numbers 17-17, to but you look at Tim Hardaway throughout the series, especially once Daryl Armstrong gets a lot more minutes because yeah. Brian Shaw was underperforming, Daryl Armstrong shuts Tim Hardaway down. And I think T- Daryl does this over the next five years to the point where Tim Hardaway... <laughs> Like blows a gasket, <laughs> throws, a TV. throws a TV in like the yeah. 01-02 season as a member of the Denver Nuggets, yeah. and so I mean even even as uh, even the final game in Miami, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But anyway, you know Tim Hardaway got shut down, but Sean Leonard five of 13, 14 points, not a not a big game from him by typical shooting standards like we were used to, but everyone else gets shut down, and it's unbelievable that Penny is just going off. He finished with 42 points in the game. Eight rebounds, sixteen of thirty from the field. He played every minute but one. He would play every minute in Game Four after that when he when he scored forty one points and the yeah. Magic won that game. But for this Game Three, Gerald Wilkins and Daryl Armstrong are the two other best players on the court. And we talk about Tracy McGrady and like supporting cast and right. like and whatnot during his Magic tenure. But when Gerald Wilkins is your third guy and aging Gerald Wilkins, not yeah, like New York, like New York, yeah. Gerald Wilkins, right? Yeah. You know, and Daryl's out, out there putting up twenty-one points, eight assists, four steals, getting some dunks that are making Vern Lundquist and Doc <laughs> Rivers go nuts. Which, not going too much of a tangent, Doc Rivers had just retired the summer before this series. And they immediately put him on TNT. This is Vern Lundquist's last season as a TNT broadcaster. He had done, like, playoff series for three years, I think, for them. And this was the last bit of it. And they're a pretty good duo. Like, they're a really good duo. Like, Vern's (laughs) laughing jolly, you know, like a jolly old man. And Doc is – Doc's got good analysis in this. Doc was dishing it out. And who knew that a few years later – He'd, know, be coaching he'd be Darryl coaching. Armstrong. He'd be coaching Daryl Armstrong. So the reason Penny Hardaway is my idol, my goat, uh, my all-time goat in basketball, a lot of that is that series because he made that first game special to me. He had just as good as an, of a night the next night, Game Four, when the Magic also won that game. Uh, you know, the Magic won this Game Three, eighty-eight, seventy-five. Again, low score in basketball, but just hearing the arena. Like I, I get emotional here in that arena like that, and it's it's why you know it sucks that Amway Center isn't known as a as an actual basketball arena because it's not. It's four times the size of the old arena. That arena was meant for basketball. Right. It wasn't meant for luxury box seats like no. the way they they are now. But for basketball, it was amazing. That's why my you know section one hundred six row M or whatever it is 
ticket that I'm holding on to that I'll post a picture of. And I'm going to post a picture of these babies that I'm clacking right here. Hello. Because after the game, so I get through, I got through the pyrotechnics. I got through the dark really well. I got depressed. I almost was forever traumatized seeing Ronnie Cycle get rolled off on a stretcher. But then you get an incredible performance. Then you get a magic win. And my dad, after the game, then you get a souvenir. Had the presence of mind to know this was a heck of a game. Yeah. He, uh, we go to uh, one of the uh, the ticket, uh, not the ticket, the merchandise booths or whatever in the arena. And people don't realize this, and I'll post these after the game. But the Magic, they uh, they sold souvenir tickets, and other teams in the NBA did. But this was pretty much done once we hit 2,000, basically. Yeah. But you could get in these really nice casings, uh, just specialized tickets for playoff series or just special games in general. And my dad bought three of them to, just to represent that, you know, I'd gone with him and my mom and whatever. And, look, it's my first game. And I cherish those memories. And that's why it's been terrible that the Magic have been terrible for seven years and whatnot. And we've had basically a generation of Orlando kids that have missed out on situations like that where, like, the Magic have had maybe, you can count on one, two hands, amazing games or performances in that seven year span that would really like have that type of impact on a kid and so hopefully that's why i'm dying for them to make the playoffs now because of opportunities like this because again the magic are a seven seed they win game three they win game four again best of five series so game five in miami they come this freaking close to winning tim hardaway plays like ass the last three (laughs) games of that series and game five he finally hits a three. I think he, he ended up being one of seven for three in that game five. And he hits this three and basically he hits the clincher from Miami to win the series. But I was damn proud of that team, damn proud of that coaching staff. Richie Adubato, Tom Sterner, Tree Rollins coached their asses off. And it's interesting that they would end up going to Chuck Daly after that for two right. years. But, I, I mean, I, I, look, I don't know why they didn't offer it to Richie. I mean, especially when you finish the season 21 and 12 and you do that with the talent and the bodies that you have available. I mean, it's seven eight-man rotations the rest of the series. But I, I don't know if you have any memories of, of any of those games or whatnot, what, what your thought is. But, look, Penny's my goat for a reason. Yeah. The injuries would very soon take their toll on him, on his body. And this is pre, you know, advancements and knee surgeries and whatnot. You know, even had had these had had he needed those surgeries like five years later, like he would have had a heck of a career. For as good as he was during ninety five, ninety six, when when Shaq was recovering and you know Penny's All NBA talent, that was his final like apex, right? That was the pinnacle of his career was those back to back forty point games in the playoffs, and also I'm gonna say that's the best half season coaching job in franchise history is Richie Adubato going twenty one and twelve with really a depleted roster yeah right? it's 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 up there there I, I can't really think of another one right now i mean unless you talk about uh the first half of scott scow's coaching <laughs> season maybe but fell off a cliff but i think look you penny hardaway became your favorite player because of that one unforgettable performance but i think not you know you're a magic fan before that but that's something that you talk about being in the arena in that environment that you can't you can't ever recreate a moment like that when it's when it's your first time in the arena yeah. and the community is together and everyone is enjoying not only a masterpiece in front of you but coming together in that venue in that space and time and there's nothing like professional sports when 
it's you know still new. We're eight years into our franchise, and people are living and dying with the team. And there's blue and white everywhere, and pinstripes everywhere, and red and, bunting, right? And the bunting that yeah. you like, but so I, I just remember too, just during the comeback and in the second half, there's everyone's like high fiving and hugging each other, like everybody, like. Nowadays, you'll get some of that. It's not like it was back then. Yeah. Like There's strangers just like just getting up into each other, just hugging each other. I remember after the game, like stuff, fat stuff, storming <laughs> off, on, storming onto the court, gives like half the team a huge bear hug. I think he might have tackled Penny too, <laughs> like inadvertently. But uh, I mean, it's again, it, it was a hell of a game, hell of a series, and that's a magical moment. So, Penny, I will now put you in the hot seat, Uh-oh. a trivia hot seat. I So, again, this is Heat Hate Week. However, we have had 24 Magic players in franchise history that have also played for the Miami Heat regular That's season 24. games. 24. Yeah. Now, I'm not expecting you to get more than half immediately, and I will definitely, like, guide you through heads-up style kind okay. of. Okay. Um, I, now, I have no visual aids. I have not looked at a list prior to no. the recording of this podcast. No, you're so not, I'm, I'm flying blind yeah, here. You're, you're not looking at my list that I'm going to check off as we go along either. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, look, we'll, we'll talk about a few of the Magic guys in the series, in the, in the yeah. game that we just talked now. So give me a couple of those. So we'll start, obviously, Penny Hardaway and Brian Shaw were played in that game. Yep, you're missing a few others about, as well, though. Right. Um, Let's see. Well, I just talked about him. Who got stretchered off? Uh, obviously, Ronnie Cycli. Yeah, first right? draft pick in Heat history in 1988. So That's an interesting nugget. And yeah. then I have one that just came to me because I saw the box score from that game. But our friend Ike Austin. Not right? my friend. <laughs> Penny's friend after in the lockout who yeah. couldn't keep himself in shape during the lockout. Yeah, but, got a little hefty, hefty. Uh, Ike Austin comes off the list. So that's yeah. everybody from this game. Um, and... There is, I think... Well, there's a big guy, right? Who you got? Shaq. Yep, Shaq is a big name, obviously. Shaquille O'Neal. And he had a backup center for, I think, the title year that also played for the Magic in Michael Doliak. Oh, that's a good pull. That's a good pull. Very good pull. I got that one. So Michael Doliak comes off the list. And I'm thinking out loud here, and I'm going to say that there's, you know, we already talked about Penny... Uh, but we also had Carlos Arroyo. He yes. played for the Heat. Pass the bread, yep. Carlos Arroyo. I know we had Keon Dueling, who that's played a good for us pull after the Heat. That's a good pull. Yeah, and he I missed. Have, he missed out on the on the Shaq title season by one by year. One year. Yeah. And I have one. And this does this count? Because I think he only. It only has to be one regular season yeah. game. Rod Strickland. I know Rod he Strickland for counts. Us yeah, that's that's actually 2003, 2004. I, I had a feeling you were going to get that one. So yeah, Rod Strickland was on the 0304 bad team, unfortunately. Yeah. But you got 15 names to go. Yikes! So uh, do you want me to start helping a little bit here? Uh, let's see. So I'm going to take two off of okay. the board for you immediately. Right. So Kevin Edwards is one of them. I would not have gotten that. No one. No chance in hell no. you would get it. I wouldn't have gotten it. No one would have gotten. It. He's actually the second draft pick ever in Miami Heat huh. history. I think he's more known as a net though. So yeah. Okay. Um, but Kevin Edwards is going to come off the board. That's fair. And then let's see who else do I pull from here? Um, you know what I. I, I I could play around with it a little bit. He's on the original Magic team, eighty nine ninety team. Everyone else is post two thousand. Okay. That's on this list except this one guy on the eighty nine ninety team. Think guard. Not Sam Vincent. No, no. 
more less important. Less important. Went oh, on to be man. a coach. I can give it to you. Yeah, I'll need it. It's Moreland Wiley. Oh yeah. People forget Moreland Wiley. It's fine. I again, I don't expect you to get that one. But we're down to thirteen now. And these are all people that have played for the Magic within the last 10 years. Okay. I know I can think of one now. Mr. Uh, Big Three, Richard Lewis, right? Yep, Richard okay. Lewis is out. So we're down. So, well, I should say the last 15 years. I would say have either played for the Heat or the Magic in the last and 15 years. I'm trying years. to think. There's a couple that won titles with the Heat, including our very own Rookie of the Year, Mike Miller. Yep, Mike Miller on there. Um, yep, he's up. He's there. Uh, now... You want some hints here? Now I'm struggling. If you want to help me out. Okay. He okay. was on, uh, he, he's been on the Magic the past seven years. He's also been on the Heat the past seven years. He looks like Charlie Day on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> Josh McRoberts. Yes, Mr. McBob. Okay. That's and good clues. The reason I, I'm trying to give it to you heads yeah. up style here, yeah. but the reason I say that is because uh, some of Josh McRoberts' post game interviews that I still have on my <laughs> YouTube channel actually get a reasonable amount of hits because people say he looks like Charlie Day. <laughs> I get so many random comments. Like Whatever that. gets the checks flowing. Um. Oh God. Uh. Let's do. Okay. He was actually coached by Stan Van Gundy, both in Miami and oh, the Magic. Okay. That's a good help. Ray Ferralston. Yes. Yeah, skip yeah. to my Lou counts. Yeah. So you're down to nine to go now. Um. Let's see. He was. Ah. Let's. White chocolate's the nickname. All right. Yep. Jason Williams. Yep. An easy one. Now I'm gonna kick myself for these. Um. Some of them are harder than others. Okay, this guy uh, was also a uh, well, not also. He was he is a Slovenian. He was a Spurs backup point guard back oh, in the day. Bano Udre. Yeah, Bano Udre. He's yeah. there. Um, okay, this guy was on the uh, Heart and Hustle Magic team. Uh, wore a headband. Got traded midway through the season. I know scored it. a lot of points off the bench. Who you got? Chris Gatling. Yes, Chris and Gatling. I, I think I just got another one that popped into my head just now. Who you got? Uh, Mister. Takes an hour to do a 20-minute shooting drill and practice. DeAndre Liggins, did he play for he both? He played one game for the Heat Yeah, in the regular season. Okay. One game, and I think it was so, against the Magic, actually. But so he played a lot like of... like a Magic Sioux Falls Sky Force connection. Yeah, but, he played yeah. a lot of G League, D yeah. League for them. Okay. Even though, and then obviously he has a lot of uh, violence issues yeah. in his past wow. as well. You're down to five now. Um, you are missing somebody who is a coach on the Heat bench as well as a player. Oh, boy. Um, he was on the 03-04 Magic team. Uh, he's the reason Drew Gooden oh, broke himself. Okay. Yeah, Jawan Howard. Jawan Howard's on there, yeah. We try and block that out. That was... <sighs> well, oh, That man. we might have to get to a magical moment eventually with yeah. that because <laughs> I went to so many of those games as well. Um, you're down to four. Uh, one of them is currently on the Miami Heat now. Playing for the Heat right now. Well, it's not Dwayne Wade. He was in Phoenix this earlier this season. Uh-oh. Oh, man. Ryan Anderson. Yeah, huh? Rhino. Yeah. yeah. I was about to give you a dark clue, but thankfully I didn't have to. Okay. So um, you're down to three. Put that one back in your pocket. Um. Oh, God. Uh, this guy uh, was, on, was on the Magic a few years ago. He ended up playing for Portland. He's renowned for winning a national championship with UConn. Backup point, or he's a point guard. Um, he Playing really annoying Portland. point guard. Uh, he, not now. He he, he yeah. might have played with the Blazers. I think he's still in the NBA. Actually, I think he is with the Blazers still. Um, oh, I think boy. he had that comment about how like the NCAA didn't oh, feed him. Man. Yeah. Um, okay. That's I should have said. Sorry. I should have said LeBron's pick right. for Miami's draft pick before he ended up going right, back to so Cleveland. Shabazz Napier. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Shabazz Napier. Yeah. Um. Okay. This I guy. Think I, I think I just got one. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, he wore a headband. Oh, yeah, he did. And I don't remember a lot of on-court contributions, but I do remember the uh, three-point guitar. Oh, yes, you know who it is. This is Quentin Richardson. Yes. He played for both. And then you're down to one more. And I um, think I just got it because Quentin Richardson was on Stan Van Gundy's coaching staff in Detroit. Yeah. And I think there was another guy who played for both teams under yep. Stan Van Gundy and coached with Stan Van Gundy. Yes, I'm going to pull this one. Yes. Malik Allen. Yes, you won. You got it, man. So those are so your what, 24. 12 out of 24 isn't too bad, 50%, right? Nah, you're pretty good. Look, that's, I, that's asking too much for you to get all that down. But out of about 240 Magic players all time, 24 of them have been Heat players. I consider that a low ratio. Like if I pulled another team like the Bucks out, it would have been a much larger so list. So we're saying 24 out of, let's say, 240. That's 10% of our roster all time. Yeah. I think that's anything. <laughs> I think that might be submitted to David Steele for Tuesday night's contest, don't you think? <laughs> I'll I'll CC him right. on the podcast right. link. But um yeah, so that's uh that's our edition of Magical Moments. A few more topics before we get out of here. So speaking of David Steele, the Orlando Magic Pod Squad had a, a wonderful episode with assistant Magic GM Matt Lloyd. Uh they talk about a wide variety of topics, scouting using how they have like a monopoly on that new uh, software that's going to uh, basically, or that new technology anyway, that's going to help with uh, scouting for like the next two years for the draft, etc., or just players in general. Um, I do particularly, and you, every Magic fan should listen to that episode, but I do want to point out, especially towards the end when he starts talking about European scouting, because he kind of reaffirmed what I had said where, uh, he said, he was talking about uh, Giannis Adetokounmpo and how Rob Hennigan loved him, but uh, you know, I, you know, because they had scouted him early, apparently, yeah, too, before that draft. Him. They were on him about as early as uh, as John Hammond was. And so, but it kind of reaffirmed my thing where had Hennigan had, because this would have been his second draft, but his actual first full draft as Magic GM, because the Andrew Nicholson, Kylo Quinn draft, he, it was very yeah. early on. So instead of going with Victor Oladipo at two, I think had he uh, had more uh, gumption or he had the will of the equity yeah. yet with the fan base to make a off the radar pick yeah. yet. He would have gone with Yanni. I th- he he would have and it just that pod episode it reaffirmed that for me. So an interesting note on that 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 also kind of reaffirms that account from Matt Lloyd. I was fortunate enough to attend one of those uh you know, we we take your cell phone and we lock it up and we let you sit in a room with Alex Martins and Rob Hennigan events. Yeah, you're lucky and, I haven't been yeah. in that. I probably so, would have getting kicked out. But so yeah. he de- he detailed that exact thing, and you know, maybe maybe it was revisionist history hindsight 2020, but he basically said the same thing. Um, and also in that in that uh, sit down, that was right after he had pulled the Serge Ibaka trade and re-signed Evan Fournier to the. Uh, Whatever Rich contract, contract. Was, yeah. yeah. He basically said at the time that Fournier's representatives had told him explicitly they would not uh, sign off on Evan Fournier playing the small forward position, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's why they picked him over Victor Oladipo. Mm-hmm. And now Evan plays pretty much exclusively small forward. Yeah, but just that that Orlando Magic Pod Squad episode, it's a really good listen. Matt Lloyd's very open throughout and I feel like that openness is why he kept his job when Hammond and uh, and Wellman came change. through. And look, the, I know they wanted like a guy to be that was from like the previous regime regime around, but they easily could have phased him out by right. now and he's still there for a reason. So, really good listen. Um we don't we're not going to discuss it hard because this week needs to play out, but I do think Vucevic has a shot at uh 
all NBA third team. I really do. I was listening to uh, another low post episode this time with Ryan Rosillo, and uh, they were talking about how right now for the three center all NBA team uh, uh, selection spots, they have Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. There's no disputing those two, no. and then Carl Anthony Towns is the third one. The Wolves aren't going to make the playoffs, and I think Officially that's going to and I think that's going to to play a factor. In, in the voting. I know he's had a good recent few months, especially since you know, Tom Thibodeau got fired or got let go anyway. And I just think that Vooch belongs in the conversation, even over guys like Rudy Gobert and Andre Drummond, especially if the Pistons fall, like especially right. if the yeah. Magic can jump them. Then. They leap over the top. But I just want to point that out. If the Magic have a great week this week, I think I'll have some evidence behind me because he's got to go up against Embiid. He's got to go up against Hassan Whiteside and uh, and uh, Bam Adebayo. And then he's got to go up against uh, Andre Drummond. And then against the Pacers, you got Miles Turner and I guess maybe some DeMontis Sabonis as well. And so. that's a case where the kind of the recency bias might play in his favor too yeah and Vooch has been solid all year and so I do have one other topic so Brian Windhorst podcast he they did he did a redraft uh with uh well he didn't do any drafting but he had uh Mike Schmitz draft expert uh used to be you know on draft express and ESPN hired him and Kevin Pelton longtime ESPN writer those yeah. two they uh they went back and forth and in a 2018 redraft oh so I'll go in order how they said it, but this really this pertains to Mo Bamba, basically. But you know, he uh, Brian uh, uh, Mike Schmitz uh, would have said that Phoenix would have drafted Luka Doncic. Um, he is the rookie of the year. That DeAndre Aiden pick's not looking too bad for Phoenix no, though at this yeah. point. Uh, he uh, Kevin Pelton said the Kings would have drafted Jaron Jackson Jr., who before getting hurt was a good pick, but. Or it was playing well. I could say the same thing about Marvin Bagley though. Yeah. Marvin Bagley's been really good for the Kings. That's why the Kings were. In the playoff hunt. I mean, they're still not eliminated yet, I don't think. But um, th- the third pick would have been DeAndre Ayton to the Hawks. Now, obviously, the Hawks did that trade with Dallas where, you know, Atlanta ended up with Trey Young and uh, Luka Doncic somehow fell to third and yeah. Dallas ended up with Luka Doncic. So, but Ayton supposedly would have went there. Young would have went fourth to the Grizzlies, according to Peyton, as a Mike Conley, or according to Pelton, according, you know, as a Mike Conley replacement. The Mavs at five would have took taken Marvin Bagley, according to Schmitz. And then the Magic at six, uh, Kevin Pelton has uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander going to the Magic at six as a uh, you know, and he was drafted eleventh by the Clippers right. or ended up with the Clippers anyway, but. You know, he assumed that the Ma- and he and Kevin Pelton also assumes the Magic are going to sign Vooch to a, a deal in the summer as well. But uh, Mike Schmitz agreed. I mean, Shea Gilgis Alexander has been really good for the Clippers. He's nineteen, six six, seven foot wingspan. Yeah, right up the Hammond Waltman alley. But I mean, he didn't have the longest wingspan in the draft, right. and I think that's why they went with Bamba. But it's interesting how this plays out because then it's. The Bulls would have taken Carter Jr. at seven, according to Schmitz. Pelton had the Cavs taking Michael Porter Jr. hasn't played all year. Uh-huh. Eighth, ninth, Colin Sexton goes to the Knicks, according to Schmitz. And then the Sixers take Michael Bridges at tenth, and then all the way down eleventh. Schmitz says that the Hornets would have taken a little bit of a swing on Mo Bamba at eleven. Huh. So I feel like both those guys are very low on Mo Bamba. 
Um, obviously, Charlotte badly needs a center for the long-term future, so that would have been a good spot for him. But just should we worried about Mobamba, or can do we think he can turn himself around this offseason if he builds his body up, kind of like a Jonathan Isaac did? Yeah, I mean, he obviously hasn't had the rookie season that he would have liked to have had, or that probably anyone affiliated with the team wanted him to have. But no one probably foresaw Vucevic taking the leap that he has this year either. So. We have that in our favor that the that Jonathan Isaac kind of set the blueprint for playing half a season, 30, 40 games, and then really rehabbing, focusing on building strength and having a summer to come back and build your skills, right? Yeah, I'm I'm just intrigued how it's gonna play out now because Ken Birch has been really good for us and he's cheap. I don't know. I think he's gonna be a free agent this summer though, so I don't know how that's gonna play out. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be in the trade Bo Bamba camp already. I just don't, I don't see no. that from Hammond and Weltman. Um, I do think they keep Vooch maybe on like a two, three year deal maybe, but Vooch has been so valuable. And it's, again, it's literally going to come down to how this regular season goes. If we make the playoffs, how the playoffs go and just kind of go from there. Because if you start re-signing Ross and or Vooch, you're capped out. You're locked into that until to you that can group. until you let Fournier walk, yeah. or and kind of rejigger some things within the uh, within the cap. But that was a good episode, man. I uh, enjoyed it. You know, if uh, if you appreciate uh, what you listen to, please provide us some feedback. You can uh, follow us, subscribe us on any type of listening platform that you're on. Please rate, please review. Uh, if you have any feedback for us or any questions for us, you know you can reach me at Papa Giorgio MBO. Spencer, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. Let us know some of your magical moments, too. And it's Spencer with an S, not a C. That's true. But let's go magic. Beat the Sixers. Particularly beat the Heat. And uh, with that, go magic, take care, and just win. And I can't slow down for nothing. I feel like 24 hours